Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me today is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, Well, you know, we're happy to be back because uh, we did take a week off last week because uh, of a bit of a lull in the old Fire Emblem Heroes. However, you know, a week off has allowed us to basically save up all this content so we can discuss it in what will likely be a pretty substantial show because we've got new banners, we've got the end of our game club, we've got the discussions of what's to come for game clubs, so tuck in lots to unpack here. And as always, we'll start with the banners running in Fire Emblem Heroes right now. And I, I say we're, we're, we're stacked with content, but as of the release of this episode, because we are heading into a holiday here in Canada, and I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get this up, but uh, we do have the weekly Revival Banner 34 running right now, Heroes with Moonbow running until the 9th, and Tempest Trials Banner run, running until the 16th. And I guess as of this uh, recording, I might as well also state that the, uh, the next banner, the uh, Scions of 12 banner, will be running and that one uh, runs until I uh, don't have the date in front of me. I'm guessing the 21st of September. No, I don't think we have the date yet. It's like a two um, week usually for these type of banners. Actually, I don't know because it's special heroes. No, uh, special heroes are usually month long. Um, but it does not give us an uh, end date on the calendar. So most likely early October, but we don't know for sure. Um, yeah. And. Depending on when we get this up, we might have some of the old banners, like the double special heroes and the keepers of faith, running for a couple more hours. Yeah. Well, what do you? Uh, what have you got for summoning uh, this week? Well, uh, one of the banners that uh, may or may not still be running is the legendary Micaiah banner. Uh, I hopped onto that one for a bit uh, early on. Got pity broken on a ring with no um, uh, colorless orbs. I got a. Uh, Lelina, legendary Lelina out of that. Uh, while summoning on Colorless Orbs, I did end up getting a Fallen Edelgard and a four-star boosted Mist, but I did eventually get a Micaiah shortly after that. So probably spent maybe about 50 orbs or so and managed to get her. Not too shabby. Not too bad. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's funny, you kind of had the same path that I did with the legendary banner because i i did i i dipped my toes in just to kind of see if i could get makaya on a, on a small amount of orbs and i ended up pulling uh another fell edelgard that i had i had already had previously um and i just had so few orbs because i did wrap up the uh second spark on the keepers of faith banner ended up getting a marth on the way to the second spark i already had all the heroes at this point but i figured like well i might as well not leave that that spark hanging there so i did get another erica uh, and the plan is to use those. Um, I I did turn in the celestial stones for a form of soul, so I'm, I think I gotta, you know, go over to the hall of forms to get those characters because I, I think there was a couple that I don't have that I that I've been uh, I've had my eye on. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then I also got a Valentine's uh, Alphonse from the double special heroes banner on just my free summon. Didn't go much further there, but I did end up getting a free hero, which is always nice. On that's always an, it's been a while since I've gotten a a five star on a free summon, so that always feels good. But other than that, it's been pretty quiet. Yep, not much going on. Um, we did get confirmation uh, with the info and the Tempest Trials info that this uh, the Ice and Flame series of Tempest Trials is going for at least one more month. With part four coming in uh, with uh, update 5.10. So this is not the end of the Tempest Trials chain. Just another step in the way. Uh, But uh, that Tempest Trials is actually launching on the 7th. As well as the... Which is the same day as the Signs of 12 special banner. uh, With the login bonus, of course, launching that day as well for the special banner. On the 8th, we have a set of Armor Assault quests, and we end the calendar on the 9th with Regan and uh, more New Heroes Revival, uh, along with its Forging Bonds Revival. Um, as of the recording, we don't have the updated calendar, so that's all we have right now. Uh, yes, uh, we do have. Uh, we did get Sonya as a Resplendent Hero, and the announcement of the next one, which will be Tail to You, Thunder Noble, 
Uh, she'll be showing up dressed in Emblian Empire garb. I feel like that's another one. Um, it's been a while since we've had a back-to-back resub for me on Fate Pass, but uh, she looks pretty good. Uh, she looks really cool, and I, I mean, honestly, a character that um, has popped up a lot for me in summoning, which is kind of odd to say. Like, she's one of those characters that I think just is constantly being summoned, um, just because she has been around for a long time, and I, I think she's a Oh gosh, what is she a blue? She's a blue tome user, right? If I'm remembering correctly. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, but I think the Emlyn, the Emlyn, um sort of outfit uh, obviously looks really cool. It's you know a lot of like you know black and gold, which is like a very good combo. Very very easy to pull off from a uh, from a good looking sort of unit costume, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, another solid entry into the resplendent hero collection i i wonder if they're gonna try to like mix that up at, at some point it feels like it's been going quite a while um now they do kind of mix it up when they have a new book and they kind of are able to say like okay now this one's based on book four stuff i don't i don't know if we've gotten any book five resplendent heroes we've got a couple have we've we got a couple nidavelli or at least one yeah now that you mention it i think there is one and i think i remember it being not underwhelming. I just I'm trying to remember. Well, I can't, I can't remember who it was, so probably uh, not a good sign. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue to chat about Resplendent Heroes as they keep coming. They're they're. I they're, mean, yeah. with the Nidavellir characters, or we might have even gotten a Jotun here. I don't know, but with the Nidavellir designs, I mean, unless you really go all out and you have some way to get either give them a metal horse or make it look similar, it's Kind of just a different shade of black, as most evil guys are. So, yeah. Well, currently running. I mean, the big news uh, for this week, obviously, that we're going to chat about is the legendary banner that's currently running, and uh, that is legendary Micaiah banner on the blue orb. You're going to be getting Farina, Ingrid, or uh, Nagi. Uh, also on the colorless, you've got uh, Mythic Micaiah, Ashera. Edelgard, which is the fallen version, as we both um, illustrated in our summoning earlier in the show. On the green orb, you've got Edelgard, the legendary edition. Uh, you got Fel Morgan, uh, and then you got Threshir. And then on the red orb, you've got Lelina, legendary Lelina, uh, mythic Morgan. Oh, no, I see what I did here. Uh, you've got female Morgan on the green orb. That's the fallen version male morgan on the red orb that's the fallen version apologies i had it all right in front of me and it just didn't click uh and then finally on the red orb you've got sothis so if you're summoning uh or if you did summon on the legendary banner this is this is not news to you because you may have gotten some of these heroes uh but if you did manage to get micaiah radiant queen here is a rundown of her kit once a kingdom in the continent of telius dane Oh man, we've done this before. Is it Dane or Dying? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay, I did it. I nailed it on the on the first and second try because it's either or. So Dane was brought down by war, but there was a hero who sought to free Dane from its conquerors and restore the kingdom, and her name is Micaiah. Emerging victorious, Micaiah became the ruler of a new Dane, supported by the. You'd think I would have looked it up, considering how many times I have to say it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've already committed. Um, under her guidance, the kingdom ushered in a radiant dawn. Oh, title. Micaiah is a colorless tome infantry unit wielding new dawn, which is effective against armored and cavalry foes. Grants attack plus three. If unit initiates combat or if unit is within two spaces of an ally, grants attack slash resistance plus six during combat and unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. If unit's HP is less than or equal to 50% and unit initiates combat, Unit can make a follow-up attack before a uh, foe can counterattack. She has a, new, a few new skills, including Maiden Solace as an assist, which converts penalties on target into bonuses and then neutralizes any penalty that remains. Restores HP to unit, uh, or sorry, to target equal to unit's current HP minus one. Reduces unit's HP by amount restored. In the B slot, she has uh, prescience, prescience. <laughs> I think it's prescience. Right. I, I put a C in there if it was it was pre-science. No, there is a C in there. Okay. 
prescience. Inflicts attack slash resistance minus five on foe during combat. If unit initiates combat or a foe's range is equal to two, reduces damage from foe's first attack by 30%. In the C slot, she has joint distance guard, which grants defense slash resistance plus four to allies within two spaces during combat against bow, dagger, magic, or staff foes. Um, if unit is within two spaces of an ally and foe uses bow, dagger, magic, or staff, grants defense slash resistance plus four to unit during combat. Now, this joint distance guard is a tier four skill, an upgrade from the distance guard three, poor to note. Uh, rounding out her kit is Fury four in the A slot. And that, my friends, is legendary Micaiah. Eddie, uh, as some, I, I, I'm not going to ask because I know you, you probably just had enough time to summon her, and and uh, that's that's what you that's what you got. But in terms of this this kit, it seems pretty um, pretty strong. A, a very like, we have a lot of Makayas in the game, but I, I feel like this one obviously takes the cake. I'll be honest. When they first announced it, I forgot that we didn't have legendary Makaya yet because brave Makaya just kind of always felt le- like the legendary version, but. No, no, we just now finally got her. And yeah, she's got a nice hefty kit, you know. So, yeah. I believe Maiden Solace is her probably her legendary skill. I didn't really fully look into her. And I'm guessing Maiden Solace is her legendary. Yeah. It's a and and again, like I really I really dig the idea of these legendary versions, these mythic versions of our characters. Usually the legendary versions are sort of post-game characters you know radiant dawn being oh god yeah uh radiant dawn being the sequel right it's the second one that came out and her being crowned queen at the end of the game like this is this is essentially a post radiant dawn story character that we're seeing here and i and i again as someone who never finished that game and would love to but doesn't have 150 bucks to drop on a wii game um it's i think it's a I, I think it's really cool when they do this stuff with these characters and give us sort of a glimpse aside from like lena and or not lena lucina and um to a degree lynn for the most part that's generally what they tend to do with legendary versions of a character it's their post victory version yeah so but i really like that I, I love yeah. the I love the presentation that they offer us, and we get to see characters like we haven't seen before, but without a funny hat. Because like, and I'm being I'm obviously being silly when I say funny hat. I'm talking about the special hero versions. <laughs> like, you know, like we didn't necessarily need um, to see like the the what if scenario if uh, um, I don't know someone wore a bunny costume. There's no reason to bash Levin in his hat in this new banner. That's true. I accidentally just uh, just um, called out every every character in this new banner, um, which we'll we'll talk about well, in not, a little. I'm not bit. sure if Julia has a funny hat, but I no, she does. She yeah, does. They, it's the funny hat banner. Everyone has funny hats. Yeah, that's what I'm calling it. I'm changing it in I the guess, notes. I guess for the most part they're specialized crowns, but you know, I mean, I've, not... I've always found those crowns that have the little poofs inside them to be weird and bizarre. They look comfy, though. Like, honestly, you probably keep your head warm as opposed to having a giant metal thing on your head, right? Which might be the whole point of that design, but oh, still yeah. a little weird. You'd think I'd know that as someone who lives in northern climates, although we don't have a royalty here, so um, I don't what, know. What do you mean? Don't you Canadians worship the Queen? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. I think outside of the UK, I could, or not even the UK, outside of... Uh, England, I think it's just this weird, it's like a celebrity fascination. Anybody who I've run across that likes the queen or the royalty either has some connection to England, whether they had grandparents who lived there or, or came there, came here from, from um, England, or they just have this like weird celebrity fascination with them. And I think that's, that's probably what a lot of people in the States experience, right? Is that they have this like celebrity fascination and and if you even look right. into it it's really weird i don't know like i i can't even look into it because it's just like i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but um my understanding is in technicality canada is still technically under the queen but in reality yeah it's a celebrity type situation but speaking mm-hmm. of weird funny hats and stuff like that since we're already on this detour i did look it up 
Um, Ike and Merrick were Nidavellir uh, outfits for Resplendent Heroes. The essentially black with random cogs on them. And Amelia's Resplendent Hero was a Jotun design. So, we've had both Nidavellir and Jotun in the Resplendent Heroes. Oh, okay. Cool. But as for Micaiah, it's a uh, yeah, nice kit. Um, Prescience might actually be her uh, special legendary skill. Maybe Asalus might be just a new powerful skill or something. You know, a new skill they like to give them. But not sure exactly which is which. Uh, looks like Maiden Solace looks like it can be inherited. So that one's probably just an upgraded Ardent Sacrifice. Repressions is non-inheritable, so that's probably her legendary skill. Um, mm-hmm. But ni- nice outfit, cool design. Uh, looks nice and powerful. Yun's missing. I'm guessing that has something to do story-wise. What do we uh what do we got for returning uh legendary mythics? Yes, uh Micaiah will be uh coming back the quickest as she will be returning in November. In December Lilina will be making her return. In January Ashera and Sothis will be doing their return. With Edelgard coming back, uh legendary Edelgard, not fellow Edelgard. We'll come back in February with Thrasir and Naga returning in um March. Uh on top of the legendary banner, we did get info on the next update, the 5.9 update. Uh, while the majority of this update is the usual stuff, the regular monthly updates, such as Summer Norn and Arit or Aret coming to Heroic Grails. Uh, we got Flora and Dancer Nephany being on the September Ephemera, um, as well as Spring Sally being of note in the four-star ones. Um, Flora and Dancer Nephany are the five-star ones. Uh, there was some issues with Nixon Pirate and Hinoka's weapons, um, and those uh, there were notes in the uh, over the past month or so that they were going to fix that, and those fixes are coming in this update. Uh, some of the bigger happenings this month is that the CYL three heroes are getting weaponry finds, uh, along with those four heroes: uh, Legendary Lin, Legendary Ephraim, and Normal Ephraim, and Male Kana are also getting refines. We get a confirmation that Hero's Journey is returning, uh, and they're adding five new events, as they indicated they would do for each uh, round of the uh, the mode. Um, lastly, uh, Legendary Ephraim and Legendary Hector are getting their turn in the spotlight for the red- Legendary Remix banners, uh, so they're getting their new skills. Uh, the usual upgrade of their Legendary skills, Solar Brace and Ostia's Pulse, respectively, are coming as well as Ephraim's getting attack defense solo four and Hector is getting crafty fighter three. Uh, we'll cover those updated skills when the banner goes live later in the month. Uh, but that's not all the news we got for remix, uh, legendary remixes, as six new heroes are joining the remix pool. Uh, Reed, Marth, Erica, Tiki, Lucina, and Azura are joining the remix pool. Um, I looked around, I couldn't find a definitive confirmation that they're being pulled from the normal banners. They probably are, uh, but they might get that one more time that they were announced as on those banners. Um, we'll know for sure at the end of September, as Creed is currently stated to be in that banner. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, one final thing to note, although it's not actually for this update, they just gave us a heads up, is that, um... The minimum love, uh, minimum strength for or minimum of iOS is being updated, and in December it will no longer support. Uh, Faye will no longer support anything lower than iOS thirteen point zero. Yeah. So, and uh, for those that are not iPhone users or, or 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 are iPhone users, essentially iOS thirteen is not that old. I think we're getting fifteen this year, so. Yeah, I know Apple does, you know, make sure their devices support. I think they've kind of kept up with iPhone 6S supporting everything. Yeah, I I currently, I think, have an 8, and it still gets the most recent updates, so I'm good there. I don't know if 6 still gets updates or if they fell off sometime below 13, or 6S might get the updates, and that might be the last one that's currently getting updates, but... Yeah, Uh, it was a big struggle with... um, you know, the, obviously COVID-19 and the pandemic and how uh, basically there, I don't, I don't know if they had it in the States, but in Canada they had the, well, they know they have it in the States because it's part of the OS, like the exposure control. And that was one of the issues they were trying to make sure that as many people could install 
um, some of the uh, the COVID nineteen apps that were that were coming out. So, um, not to go in a different direction here, but yeah. So for iPhone users, if you don't have iOS thirteen or above, um, you might want to look to updating your phone. Uh, per, yeah, but or yeah, finding somewhere else to play Fay as of the December. Exactly. So if you have a newer iPad or an Android uh, device, there, that's an option. The other option is I don't know if uh, I don't know if this will apply, but I think Windows 11 is going to allow you to run Android apps. Although I don't know if Fire Emblem Heroes would be included in that. But something about having Fire Emblem Heroes running on your desktop sounds both like a cool thing and a bad thing. <laughs> you know. Also, even if even if it does allow it, you know, you got to remember make sure you use up your orbs before December because orbs that bought. If you bought, if you purchase orbs, um, I don't know how free orbs work, but orbs on iOS do not translate to Android according to the data in the in the game. No, yeah, uh, purchases made are are tied to the uh, platform, so you'll have to keep that in mind. So keep it uh, keep it keep it in the back of your mind. I already said that, but uh, yeah. So look forward to that new version update. It's probably downloading as we speak. Available. Um, I think they said September seventh, was it? Or I mean, I can't remember. If it was fifth or sixth or sixth or seventh? But you know, sometime in the next couple of days. Exactly. Probably by the time this podcast goes out, it'll, if not be out already, be dropping any minute now. Exactly. Update your apps. All right. Uh, one final Faye story here, as we did get a preview for the Scions of Twelve banner, which is the next banner we're calling the Funny Hat banner. Don't think I forgot. I did for a bit, but I remembered. Um, the funny hat banner is, uh, it's not a dancer themed banner. That's usually what we get in the September month. But, uh, this year it seems they're taking a bit of a break to explore a jug drill to celebrate the day of the 12 festival. The banner features an all returning cast from the Thracia series, including Larce as a green axe infantry unit, Julia as a red tome flyer, uh, Lewin as a blue tome infantry unit, who is also the four star unit pretty funny because he was like when he first came into the game he was kind of heralded as like a a green mage that was kind of broken like really good and now they've uh given us a four star um unit of him so that's nice uh and then finally you've got leif plus Selif as a colorless bow cavalry harmonized duo unit uh over on the tempest trials you've you'll be able to unlock nana as of this recording the heroes aren't in the game just yet but likely as you're listening you'll be summoning Next episode, we'll break down each hero in more detail, so stay tuned for that. Um, obviously, Thracia and the Jug Draw series, not my strong suit, but I, I think there was discussion in the Discord that these are all these are all returning characters, so no special-only yes. club characters here, right? They're, they're all returning, and Lord Nero, uh, you've already raked me over the coals for the fact that Levin is actually Gen 1, not Gen 2, like all the other units. Um, I'll let you rake uh, Ryan over the coals since these are genealogy units, except Leaf and Nana, which will probably... Uh, Nana, we don't know for sure, but Leaf is labeled as Thracia. But, so it goes genealogy, the Holy War, then Thracia, right? Yes. Thracia is a kind of side story that happens in between the two generations of genealogy. Uh, genealogy is like the or- originator of a lot of current things, such as Canto, including uh, generational units. So playing as the kids, uh, you play the first half of genealogy as uh, Sigurd, uh, Deirdre, and them. And then uh, Gen 2 is Selif and all these characters. Um, Sed is in Thracia labeled canonically as the son of Levin. Uh, But in genealogy it is not a guaranteed thing which is why i'm which is why i believe they chose levin over said as the unit for this banner uh but julia larcy uh leaf Selif, i mean and nana all appear in gen 2 of genealogy um but they're labeling leaf and probably will end up labeling nana as um thracia because those both appear in thracia heavily ah so so when I say the Thracia series, that's not technically correct, or is it correct? It's the Jug Drill series. I believe it's called the Jug Drill series, or Genealogy would be the primary one on this banner, since three of the five units are labeled as Genealogy, and the second half of the Harmonized unit is Genealogy. Hmm. 
Uh, well, there you go. And you know what? Um, I'm not going to spoil it here. You're going to have to listen to the end of the episode. But maybe I'll have to remember this discussion when we go over uh, some details at the end of the show so that I don't screw it up. Because I think I have it as Thracia. We might want to change it to genealogy series or drug draw or whatever. But anyway, we can always just explain it again at the end of the show. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but speaking of which, we should probably move into Game Club, uh, the Elt Realm Gate, because we have the conclusion to Verdant Winds to talk about, which is a huge chapter and the ending, so lots to talk about. Um, but we also have some specific details on what we want to do for the uh, rest of 2021 for Game Club and um, details on what you can do to help us do Game Club in 2022, if that I might not explain that correctly, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, let's let's start by talking about Verdant Winds. This is the last chapter in the route for Claude, chapter 22, Fodlin's New Dawn. Um, this is a whopper, so I'm going to probably do this in parts uh, and take breathers, but uh, yeah, there's a lot here. Claude and Byleth approach Rhea, who confirms she is the Immaculate One and the last child of the progenitor god Sophus. She explains that Sothis came to Fodlin long ago, assumed a human form, gave her blood to birth many children, and created a prosperous civilization. However, humanity engaged in senseless wars and eventually turned on Sothis, leading to humanity's near annihilation. Those who slither in the dark are likely distant descendants of the survivors of that catastrophe, who retreated underground. Sothis took many more years to restore peace to Fodlin before falling into a slumber in the Holy Tomb, and her remaining children settled down at Xanado to protect the tomb. However, Nemesis appeared and slaughtered them all. Rhea, the sole survivor, took the name Seros, founded the Adrestian Empire, slew Nemesis at the Taltian Plains, and reclaimed the Sword of the Creator. So this is the big info dump we get from Rhea to Claude and Byleth at the start of the chapter, um, as soon as you finish chapter 21. And it... I'll say answers or addresses a lot of the um, you know blank spots in the in the backstory. So you get to learn more about uh, Reyes, the Immaculate One, and actually being Sothis or sorry Saros, uh, daughter of Sothis. Um, the Sword of the Creator is Sothis's heart and bones, and like the Ten Elites. Weapons use progenitor god children hearts and bones. So they like killed all these, you know, progenitor god children, turned them into weapons. Um, and that's where crests come from as well. I guess, yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but um, I guess that's how it works. Um, I'm not sure they were in Xanado trying to protect the holy tomb per se, because, um, if I recall correctly, Sarah says that. When uh, Nemesis came to Xanadro, he already had the Sword of the Creator. So he had already gotten to the Holy Tomb, killed Saros, and taken her bones and heart and created the sword. So, Okay. I might have missed that detail. I I think it's just, it's this info dump at the start that kind of explains sort of the darker origins of these the crests and and the sacred weapon or the weapons kind of makes sense that the um how the uh the the relics will transform anyone who doesn't have the blood of the uh respective sorry the respective um progenitor god child flowing through them yeah um because you know kind of as a punishment a retaliation for killing them if they don't, if you don't have the blood, which is slightly confusing, I guess in theory their kids should have been able to use them, but you know, theoretically they were all killed as well. Also, it doesn't explain what the deal with um, Seth and Flane is, much less um, Indek and Macquiel. Right. Yeah. Um, because they do. It's weird. They do. Kind of, and this is the thing. So they also talk about how. Sothis came to the world, basically some like god or alien or whatever, and and took the form of humanity. Like that wasn't her original form. Theoretically, her original form would be something similar to Rhea. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. May, maybe Indic and Macquiel are also children, and 
Zedith or Ray is not the very last one. Maybe. Uh, because when we encounter Indek and Maquil, they are in beast forms, uh, but they're aware and able to talk, similar to how Soth- or Rhea, Saros, was yeah. when she was the Immaculate One. But it could also be that they were somehow blessed and allowed to take those forms, but keep their sanity. I don't know. That's one of the things they don't explain. And we never see Sedith or Flame take on uh, anything other than human forms. But we know they, they've definitely been around a long time. They're connected in some I mean, way to... I, I don't know God. what you got for Flames. I don't know, don't know what you got for Flames end story, but um, my story indicates she appears centuries later, you know, young child in a new Fodlin, and asks the person standing by her, can she call him father this time? Yeah. So that indicates that's her and Sedith, once again, still looking same age as they are now, but centuries later yeah i did get so, that one and i thought that was pretty much like a, a a declaration that these are not normal not normal human beings they're of a specific uh, progenitor god connection that allows them to we, live we, for hundreds of years not to mention we already have the um hint of it in gerald as well because they talk about gerald being over 150 years old uh over the 20 years he vanished from the monastery he looked no different mm-hmm. uh but some point early on he was injured and uh Rhea gave him a blood transfusion so theoretically Rhea's blood allowed him to live 150 years you yeah know? yeah it's it's one of those things where you get a lot of information a lot of backstory but like there's still gaps that you either have to fill in yourself or fill in like you have to kind of like okay well in order to get to you know, recreating dinosaurs, I got to put a little frog DNA in there, right? So, yeah, or gaps are just aren't explained because I mean, unless Sothis has multiple hearts, theoretically, the sword of the creator is two of a kind the one you wield and the one Nemesis wields in your final battle. Yet, I recall in the opening movie, there were multiple people with chain swords whirling above them that were glowing similar to the way the sword of the creator was. So, yeah. Who knows? All, all kinds of questions they didn't answer that after they answered some of them. Exactly. So you don't get everything, but you do get some of the info dump. And and really, outside of the end credits, there's not a lot. Uh, there's not. There's not. There's no other. Uh, there's no other information. Like that's what you get. Rhea doesn't even pop up after this. She is down for the count. Yeah. Um. She's not dead, but she is recovering to the point that she does not show up for the rest of the game. Um, I'm trying to remember if she gets an end card. I don't think she does. No, I don't recall getting an end card for her. Yeah. But before we get to that end card and the actual battle, what happened after that info dump? Yeah. So a soldier approaches and reveals that an unidentified military force is ramping or rampaging to the east and slaughtering innocents wherever they go. They have crossed Murden and broken through Alliance forces led by Holst and Count Gloucester. They march under the banner of the Crest of Flames. They are gunning straight for Garrig Mock Monastery, and the leader wields a weapon that resembles the Sword of the Creator. Rhea realizes that the enemy is a resurrected nemesis himself. I guess she does pop back up. Uh, she explains that the enemy is a resurrected... Oh, <laughs> she explains that he acquired the Crest of Flames from Sothis's blood, and that he and those who slither in the dark crafted the Sword of the Creator and the hero's relics from the bodies of the children of the goddess. Oh, this is what I was saying before. Rhea reveals that after defeating Nemesis, she retook Sothis's heart and spent the next millennium attempting to resurrect her with it, ultimately planning it in Byleth's body. Sothis's power now rests in Byleth, and they are the only ca- one capable of defeating Nemesis. The day before the final battle, Byleth pays a final visit to Gerald's grave, recalling his last words and his desire for Byleth to give their mother's ring to the one they love. Afterwards, the Alliance forces intercept Nemesis at the Caledonian Plateau. The heroes engage him in a tumultuous final battle. They emerge victorious and finally slay him. As narrated by Gerald, Claude tears down the old order of Fodlin and begins the process of uniting the whole world in friendship. So that is the ending. Uh, outside of the title cards, which we will talk about, because I'm sure we had um, some uh, some different experiences there. 
So you played as female Byleth or male Byleth? Yes, I played female Byleth. So who did you end up um, proposing to? Mercedes. Mercedes, okay, cool. Yep. So I chose one of those female-female options. Yeah, I didn't realize she was a... a f- I know when I played as female Byleth, I think I had Dorothea, which was a, a female option as well. So. I think Dorothea was an option as well for me, but I chose Mercedes. Yeah. Mercedes was cool. Like, she had a, a really good story going through the game. Um, but for me, I kind of, I I went with uh, Marianne. I played as male Byleth, and I went with Marianne. I guess if they were a couple, it'd be Myleth or Mary, Maryleth or something. I don't know. You know, they sometimes do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, again, like, it's having experienced this for twice now, like, finishing the game twice. I feel like the conversations are somewhat predictable. I think the the end credits is more interesting in my mind, like the the text breakdown, mm-hmm. but the the sort of the proposal scene is like very similar that I found. It was like just oh, it was very cute though, professing their love and each one is unique to each character, but the same beats are pretty much hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't encountered it, but I've heard there are some pairings that you do as Byleth that it's not you don't actually marry them you're just like lifelong friends type thing and those might be some of the same gender ones uh Mercedes was a merry one um you know she talks about how uh you know um early on during one of the conversations with her she jokes about having fallen for you and she talks well it wasn't fully a jest you know Mm -hmm. so and stuff like that and She's going to her father to tell him that she's going to, or her adopted father, to tell him she's going to live for her happiness, no matter what he wants for her or what he wants her to do. And, you know, wants you to go with her and because i in love with you, yada yada. Similar beats, but slightly different storylines. Because I'm sure Marianne has nothing to do with her adopted father uh, trying to force her into marriage that she doesn't want. Yeah. Yeah, she was, I think in her story, she goes back home to basically like, be like, peace or whatever. Um, But, you know, that's, um, so that's the sort of, your S support, uh, you have to wait until after the final battle to sort of um, see the end, uh, the S support for that character. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you make the choice before the battle as you're like, standing over Gerald's grave. Um but uh, you don't see the outcome till after. Now, the main battle was, in, I'm sure both of us, you know, plowed right through it, uh, but it's, you have to take out the 10 elites. And of, of course, there's another one of those lines from Claude, like, do you really, do you think these guys are the 10 elites? There's 10 of them and they seem to be elites. And it's like, I think they're the, I think at this point, if Nemesis has raised from the dead, we can assume that these 10 generals we have to take out before we can fight Nemesis are the 10 elites. At this stage, we can probably make that leap, <laughs> you know, but still, Claude, I don't have all my facts. He was a safe leap to make, but... Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like he's, he, he has enough information where you can probably They, they just go by the name of the Ten Elites, they um, wield <laughs> dark versions or altered versions of the hero's relics. No, they're probably not the Ten Elites. Yeah, we still don't know for certain, so we're just gonna... And of course, um... Yeah, this map has a swamp in the center that poisons you. Uh, although if you, when you kill Lamine or Lamine, uh, that poison goes away and allows it turns it into just water. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I liked the ending cinematic. I felt it was very epic as you get that final battle, probably one of the more epic uh, conclusions. Yes. Um, and that's kind of where I feel like the other routes may have gotten a little shortchanged where I feel like this final cinematic is we see our heroes battling an ancient enemy and, and I don't remember Edelgard's being quite so epic. Um, I mean, I guess you're fighting Saros, the oh, Im- that's right. immaculate one, uh, the Azure Moon, you're fighting Hegemon Husk Edelgard, which we, they nicely spoiled for us in Fae. Um, so I guess because you're just fighting, you know, Edelgard, Edelgard in the map, they decided to keep the nemesis fight in here to give you a big bad that's more than just a human, even though he is kind of just a human, just a zombie human Mm -hmm. or not human, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also feel like having experienced this story to its conclusion, 
this this has got to be like the quote unquote good ending for for Fo- if we're talking specifically about Fodlan. And again, I haven't done the mm. Blue Lions, so I, I I could be wrong, but I feel like this one is straight up. We did it. We took care of everything. We can now you know move on happily ever after. Right. Um, I'd, I'd argue whether or not the other two are necessarily bad endings per se. It's just they kind of leave a bit unexplained. Yeah, so. I, I don't mean bad in terms of quality. I just mean bad for Fodlin. Like, it's a good story, don't get me wrong. But for Fodlin, not really left in a better situation. Um, or, or left... There's that's, that's kind of an opinion thing in my viewing. Because, I mean, Fodlin is still united. They're not... Um, they're not working on breaking down and branching out as much as they are in this version. And I would definitely argue that this is probably the best or most um, open version. But everything indicates that with, you know, um, with Theros in the church gone, you know, Edelgard's Adrestria or Fodlin might actually be okay, especially if she gets off her butt and takes care of those who live in the dark, but it doesn't show us deal with them. Uh, with Demetrius, he either doesn't know about them or doesn't, you know, or I think he just doesn't really know about the those who live in the dark. So, you know, but his Fodlin, his, Fer- his Fargus, could be a decent place for people in the future. It's kind of keeping the status quo when you don't actually deal with those who live in the dark. So I would definitely argue that this version's the best, but I'm not saying the others are bad per se, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. It is a matter of opinion, but like, you know, those who slither in the dark who are clearly interested in, in I, I guess they got what they wanted. They they just wanted the gods to be dead. They don't, it's hard to say. You're right. It's hard to say where, where things go from there, but I'll say this, and, like, you can do, we've talked a lot about a sequel to uh, Three Houses, and um, most Fire Emblem games, in the way they end, they end with, and they all lived happily ever after. And then they have to, like, fast forward a thousand years for another bad guy to come around, and, and it's just barely connected. Not always, but... N- yeah. Not always, but I'm specifically thinking of Shadow Dragon and Awakening as, as an example here, which is the one freshest Except in my mind. Shadow Dragon has new mystery of the emblem, which is a couple years later, same characters. <laughs> well, okay. So. Marth's story... Had a, you're okay. You're you're picking me apart here, but you're absolutely correct. So I will give you that. But what I'm trying to say is, with this story specifically, um, in Three Houses, this ending, it's kind of like it's all wrapped up in a tidy, tidy, neat bow. And to do a sequel to that, um, you you kind of just have to throw it further into the future, or else you or or you introduce a new bad that is completely separate from everything that's happened, which is also an option. Yes, which is entirely possible. Although. I like I do like the idea of like um XCOM 2 did the a sequel to the quote unquote bad ending. In this case it was the bad ending to XCOM where the aliens win and yada yada yada. But XCOM 2 is an interesting concept where they took that bad ending and created a sequel to it. And I really feel like you could probably take any ending from Three Houses that was interesting and and do something further from there. I I think you're right. Like there's, you've said this before and I'll, I'll repeat you there, but there are so many endings to three houses that it's probably best to just leave it as is or fast forward a thousand years where it doesn't even matter. Like everything that was a problem there is dealt with through time, you know? Yeah. That's, that's my thing. It's like, yeah, you could tell an interesting story in the world that Edelgard creates or the world that, you know, Claude or Dimitri creates. But if you do that, you're telling the people who only played, you know, the Edelgard route or only played the Claude route, if you do a Dimitri-focused story, you're telling them that their game is wrong, you know, and that's the issue with that. You know, the with the XCOM, where it's a good or bad ending, where, you know, either you successfully fend off the aliens or you don't, that's cut and dry and, you know, a little easier to... Say, oh, we decided this one's canon, not the beating the game version, you know. But when you have, this is your choice. You choose which group of students you like the best, you know, which house leader you like the best. Oh, you chose wrong. Mm-hmm. 
feels no. a little worse. <laughs> You're right. You're um, absolutely right. And I think that's, you know, Intelligent Systems has proven that they are interested in creating new worlds within Fire Emblem, the Fire Emblem mythos and and doing it that way so i again a sequel to three houses is not likely to happen but a spiritual successor of course you could see that because this is a very different game in terms of its setup they they could do a thousand years later and the tales of what happened in fodlin when the uniting of fodlin are a long past history Mm -hmm. uh but but you're also forgetting one of the most important parts of uh, the end of a Fire Emblem game, it's the marriages. Uh, in previous games, in Fates and Awakening, you could actually pick the marriages before the end of the game. In this one, they have their own little uh, system, hidden system that determines pairings. Uh, the only one you get to choose is who Byleth marries. So I did Byleth and Mercedes. You did um, Marianne and Byleth. Uh, were there any other notable ones? Yeah, I must not have done a lot of like matchmaking or support i know you you probably did it just based on your list but uh the big one for me was uh, claude and hilda who became uh king and queen of elmira i really like that pairing i felt like claude and hilda um their a support or um I, i guess it would be a support was very like was very it was very i loved it i just it was such a great pairing and they spend the whole t- whole game together, and honestly, I felt like it was uh, it made sense. It worked for me, and I love to see that they essentially live happily ever after. Um, outside of that, I did have Hanneman and Manuela. The only reason I didn't put it in here is because I I probably forgot it from my last playthrough. But I, as soon as those two were bickering constantly in the game, like, all right, you two are forever destined to be side by side for the rest of the game because uh, I cannot yeah. get enough of this. <laughs> You know, and theirs was cute how they returned to the um, uh, officers' academy and their bickering as only a married couple can throughout uh, ever filled the halls. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Um, other than yeah. that, the only thing to mention from the end title cards that popped out to me, a lot of like, you know, this person, I think I got a lot of like the non-partnered endings for these characters because that was the only two, only three that were partnered. Um, okay. the other one that stood out for me was Petra, be- obviously becoming the leader of Bridget and, and, and nice to see like Bridget sort of getting their independence, I guess, from Fodlin. Um, yes. And that was, uh, yeah. That was it, it. And mine, Petra did get her, uh, independence, uh, and she had a husband with her that was originally doubted, uh, but his constant, uh, striving to, uh, make Petra happy and advocating for Petra made Caspar uh, eventually loved by Bi- the Bridget, by Bridget, the people of Bridget. So yeah, Petra and Caspar hooked up in mine. Um, yeah, when I was uh, grinding up the uh, stats and levels to unlock all the classes, even though I ended up uh, skipping out on actually maxing out all the classes like I originally planned to, because that probably would have taken me a couple more months at this point. Um, I did do a bunch of, uh, you know, building up supports to get as many supports cleared up. So, like, in mine, I was actually planning or hoping for Claude and Hilda, and I didn't actually pay to have it happen. So, um, ended up Claude and Ingrid. Uh, Hilda and Marianne had a joint, uh, card. They didn't marry, but they set up a very lucrative and successful accessory-making business, uh, apparently. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, Ignatz and Raphael were paired, and in that, uh, Ignatz married Raphael's sister, because Raphael, uh, like, they were owning an inn. Raphael quit being a knight to run the inn when his sister Maya went off to become an artist and returned later with her husband, Ignatz. So, uh, Linhart and Lysithia ended up together. Uh, Linhart renounced his noble title to chase after Lysithia and solve her crest issues, her dual crests. Uh, succeeded and she renounced her title so they grew up as uh, commoners with a bunch of happy children uh, Happy and Balthus uh, ended up going together uh, creating a mercenary band I think those were the uh, ones that specialized in fighting monsters uh, maybe also it was either her and Balthus I think it was her and Balthus who also were critical in um, stopping those who slid in the dark when they reappeared later on 
Um, I didn't write it down, but Felix and Leone ended up uh, going together. Uh, they were also another... Uh, they ended up eventually having Geralt's old band join them. Uh, but as there was less to do, as things got more peaceful, they ended up becoming a um, performance troupe, and were quite successful at that. Oh, uh, interesting. Yes, uh, of course, as I mentioned, as we both mentioned, Hammond and Manuela hooked up. Uh, for me, Ferdinand and Dorothea also got together. Oh, yeah, uh, I killed but, Ferdinand, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it, but uh, Claude hooked up with Ingrid instead of Hilda. Yeah, you did. So, you did mention it. Um, which was funny. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Uh, I had a... Um, I just It popped in my head. I did have another pairing, but it was a, 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 a life, long, long... What do I want to say? Lifelong, that's the word, order. L- the lifelong friendship was uh, happy and... Um, Cadence is it Cadence? Why am I speaking? Constance, Constance. Thank you, Constance okay. and Happy uh, were friends forever, and you know until the bitter end. And and again, like I did have them paired throughout the game a lot, so they were close together, yeah. being both mages. Um, ha- Happy so. and Constance. Um, Constance was on her own, and she got her a house restored, and were no- well known as mages throughout the years in magical study, and you know for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, all in all, it was a it was a good ending to the game. And and again, like we have talked a lot about three houses over the last <laughs> nine months. And, I you know, I don't necessarily want to, you know, uh, stretch it out even further. But I had a blast returning to this game um, both this year and last year when we did um, the DLC. But uh, I'm really glad we went through it every chapter every paralogue that we could uh unless we killed characters or didn't recruit them and yeah nine months is a long time but we did it and eddie before we jump out of game club i figure we might as well talk about what we're going to do for the remainder of 2021 for game club and we'll talk about 2022 in just a little bit but um eddie and i discussed it last episode uh we got a little bit of feedback from the discord but we want to put the choice uh, in our listeners' hands because we want to know what you want to hear. You know, uh, we don't necessarily just want to do something and then have you skip to the end of the episode because that is always an option too. That's why we put the time codes it's totally up to the listener. Uh, but we are going to have a poll, and I figure we'll have it up for a couple weeks uh, with an aim to do a first segment in our spe- a game club special discussions. Uh, at the end of September, or last couple weeks of September, depending on what gets chosen. But uh, we'll have a poll running, and um, the choices will be Fire Emblem Warriors, Dark Deity, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, and we'll come back to that in a little bit, because that was a listener-suggested one. Uh, New Mystery of the Emblem discussion. We did do Shadow Dragon or Mystery of the Emblem, and we we figured it be a good idea to maybe poke our heads into uh new mr the emblem and we'll talk a little bit about how we might do that in in a bit when i turn it over to eddie here uh and i and i have thracia 776 written here but i'm going to change it to jug drill series and or whatever the first one is which is i think genealogy of the holy war we established right yes yes yeah. genealogy of the holy war is first uh yeah for new mystery of the emblem and genealogy or thracia if you'd like that over genealogy um, it'd be like digging into the wikis and reading up on how the story went in those. Because um, uh, me and Ryan are both of the mindset where we are not likely or not going to play any um, ROMs or you know uh, non-official copies of the game. Um, and of course, watch after we announce this or watch Genealogy get picked and get chosen in. The next day, they announced um, announced Echoes for Genealogy coming out. Uh, but if that happens, we'll actually just go to whatever the next highest vote getter was. Yeah. Um, and these would probably be monthly segments. Uh, for Faye, we'd probably maybe do like the first two or three books. Uh, we've as we met as I mentioned in Discord when it was suggested, we. Kind of already went over it as we were playing through the game and discussing it in game, and both of us feel that it's not that amazing of a story. I mean, so, uh, but if that's what everyone wants, that's what we'll do. Uh, but it'll be these will probably be monthly segments instead of weekly segments, whatever we end up picking. Yeah, it really depends on the required 
cadence and the amount of content there is to discuss. So like Fire Emblem Warriors makes a really good monthly segment because we can kind of split it up into a couple story discussions, gameplay, that sort of thing. Uh, Dark Deity is a little tougher. It would be a game that would technically work as a week to week. However, not being remotely connected to Fire Emblem in terms of story, but more so in terms of just being inspired by the series it'd be a good opportunity to kind of play that game and then talk about it in more generals, which would also include story, I guess. But um, you are right. Like Fire Emblem Heroes, it's it's important to note this is not for charity, so you don't need to punish us by making us play Fire Emblem or play the Fire Emblem Heroes, relive the Fire Emblem Heroes story. Because again, like it's not, it's so spread out and there's so much filler uh, that really for the Fire Emblem Heroes recap, we would probably just talk about the big hit points right and there are really only like if i'm being generous i'd say this is my opinion but like three or four hit points to go like you know start middle you know uh return after the middle there's usually like a a mid-season finale so there's like four parts like uh first part the mid-season finale the mid-season premiere and then the finale you know the season finale or series for now whatever you get what i'm saying so that'll likely be dependent on what the content is there to discuss but i the honestly the the wiki dives on new mystery of the emblem or the genealogy series that was an idea just based around like as you said eddie the chances of those games being remade um are and even if they are remade like it'll be different from what we would end up discussing like New Mystery of the Emblem is technically a game that did get remade, so it's more it's more recent. It's less likely to be remade. It got remade around the time shortly after Shadow Dragon did, but it still stayed Japanese only. Exactly. That's the issue. But I, I highly doubt they will bring that one over, so that's a safe bet. But Genealogy is, uh, you know... I'm, I'm still hopeful they're going to announce some point in Echo's version of Genealogy, and the only reason it didn't happen earlier in the year because of COVID delayed it. Yeah, and that's my hope, but I'm not holding my breath on that though. And like we don't need to go into the Nintendo rabbit hole, but like there is rumors right now that Nintendo is and this is related, I promise. Nintendo is bringing Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, Nintendo Switch Online. Um and to me that feels like a Nintendo Direct, you know, info drop, so in my mind we could be seeing a fall direct and maybe seeing some 20 more 2022 projects being announced. Unfortunately, the Game Boy and Game Boy Color games coming to Nintendo online doesn't help us any because all the fake Fire Emblem games are in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did play those. So we well, we played uh, we played one in a bit of of them. But uh, yeah, I'll get this poll online. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, if you have more thoughts on these thoughts or the poll in general, you can certainly let us know either email or Discord. Um, share share your ideas, uh, but but certainly vote in the poll. We'll keep it open for a couple weeks. We will give updates on the show uh, during the Outrealm Gate segment so you can keep up on what's going on. Um, and I promised we would talk about 2022, and we're mixing it up a little bit. Uh, very, It's going to be similar to previous years. And also, speaking of those adva- Game Boy Advance games, uh, if you want us to continue our um, uh, playthrough of Blazing Blade, or Fire Emblem as it was originally released, uh, we the Ellywood route is definitely going to be part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ellywood route uh is on there for sure uh and we can go over the list uh for sure we we are doing extra life again um if you remember last year it's it's similar to last year you can go to bit.ly slash extra life ryan uh if you donate ten dollars or more you can pick a game that you want to vote for uh it has to be a game that is remaining in our list and we'll go through those in a bit but it's essentially ten dollars per game vote and you can stack those as much as you want. So if you want to donate $50 to charity, this all goes to charity, by the way. Uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals uh, around the world. I'm playing specifically for sick kids out of Toronto. And these hospitals have been sort of, you know, very important, especially now during a global pandemic. They've been doing a lot of work uh, with COVID-19 and just essentially... Uh, working with kids to to keep them healthy, even if you know they might not have COVID nineteen, they might be dealing with other illnesses, uh, cancer, or um, even you know 
a whole bunch of stuff. So it's really important that these hospitals um, continue to be donated to. So I'm always happy to do Extra Life every year, and I love to involve the podcast. So $10 per game vote. Um, you can stack them. Just make sure you put the game in the comment when you donate. Uh, if you do forget to, you can always you know reach out to me directly and I can sort of count it uh, post-donation, no problem. Just you you have our email, you have me in Discord, whatever works. Uh, but if you include it in the donation comment, I will include it in our uh, tally for voting. Voting is going to be open from uh, now until the end of the year. So we'll have we'll do like, as we did last year, we'll do shout-outs to those that donate. We'll let you know who's winning. Um, we'll try to create a bit of a back and forth, try to get some folks donating, because again, it's for charity. Um, and we're going to include a special bonus, and this is more of an incentive for folks to um, to keep to get to a certain level of donations from our summoners call listeners. And uh, as I said, voting will be open year round. You will choose the first 2022 game club, and if uh, you know if summoners call listeners raise over two hundred dollars uh, total, we will also do a game club of Tokyo Mirage sessions which is a Fire Emblem adjacent game, I'll say. It's um, yes. it's yeah. a spinoff combination of Persona and Fire Emblem. Yeah, and uh, it's a game that I've always been interested in. Uh, I know it came out during the tenure of the show, and we talked a little bit about it as Eddie picked it up. I technically never finished it. I got a good chunk of the way through and then got distracted by something else. Yeah, well, it's a long game. Um, but we might um, we might be able to talk about it during Game Club, and I feel like this was a good opportunity to be like, we never included it in our main list of games because it is sort of like in there with Fire Emblem Warriors, but it feels recent enough and different enough that it'd be fun to cover as a Game Club, but yeah. It's more respected by IS than Fire Emblem Warriors because we actually have characters in Fae. That is an accurate statement. Uh, very good, very good point. So, yes, to recap, $10 per game vote, it'll stack. Put it in the comments, bit.ly slash extra life Ryan to donate. You can donate now, right up until the end of December. And if summoners call listeners, if we get $200 um, with game uh, uh, votes for Game Club, we will also tack on Tokyo Mirage Sessions as the Game Club after our first 2022 game club. So that is the details. Now the game list of what we have, Eddie, you had mentioned the Ellywood route for blazing blade. Yep. We, we ran through the Lynn route earlier. So yeah, that's true. Um, what else do we have on that list? Uh, we have blue, uh, lions or Azure moon of three houses. Um, for these, we just do a quick, uh, like we wait a month, or so, uh, go through part one on our own, and then pick up at the start of part two, uh, possibly chapter 11 when the actual war starts, in case there are some minor differences there. Um, but that would be uh, Blue Lions or uh, Red Eagles or Black Eagles, uh, which would be the Azurun and Crimson Flower versions. Um, we are currently not, at least for this year, we are not putting the Silver Snow Church Shroud on because uh, everything we've seen in red that is virtually identical to the um, Verdant Wind route, there's like one or two different maps. In the shared maps, there's like one less character because Claw's not coming with you. So that one is on hold for at least a year after we've finished up Verdant Wind before we even consider that one. Um, let's see. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head what else we have available. Well, we also have Awakening, which is uh, another 3DS game we haven't done. Yes. Um, and then Fate's Birthright and Revelations, which we also haven't done. So we are. Uh, th- and again, it's important to note this is a list of games that we have easy access to and were released in North America. Um, the GameCube and Wii versions, the Tellius series, as much as we'd love to cover them. Um, I do own Path of Radiance, uh, but it is an expensive endeavor to try to get a hand, uh, a copy of it. Um, and Radiant also with Path of Radiance, it's hard to get a um, GameCube as well. Yeah. I mean, if you have a Wii... Um, you unless can... you still have a Wii. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I still have a Wii. I have a Wii. Uh, I have the but... actual Path of Radiance. Yeah. So I have no access to Path of Radiance. 
yeah. So it's one of those things. It's um, it's just not something we can easily access. But uh, honestly, if it ever became available, we would totally add it onto the list because uh, it's a it's a part of the franchise that I really wish I had tried to get my hands on. And I I remember when Radiant Dawn came out, and I remember it being released. I don't remember why I didn't buy it. It must have been just a busy part of my life that um, Fire Emblem kind of slipped. Or maybe I didn't like Path of Radiance as much as I thought I did. So it's hard to say. Uh, but that is essentially um, our plans for Game Club uh, for the rest of the year and into 2022. Uh, and that is going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. If you have thoughts, certainly let us know. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash Email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. You can check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Drowfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers in for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforce.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. <laughs>